What's going on, everybody? It is Thursday, March 23rd, and you have found the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast. I am your host, Matt Zawoski, a.k.a. Southside Zoe, a.k.a. Father Zoe. And with me, as always, Mr. Aldo Soto. You know, I don't get what all the all the excitement was over Otani uh, facing Trout. What's the big deal? <laughs> as uh, our famous overlord, MLB overlord, Mad Dog would say. Uh, that was wild that he just, he basically <laughs> said, he said Mike Trout strikes out all the time. <laughs> no big pulled, deal. No big oh, deals of their teammates. Who cares? He should be pulled off TV forever for saying that. Uh, the good Reverend K. Fids. Uh, I'm super stoked because today is a Wednesday, but it's also a belly bomb day. So, uh, Bellinger hit a jack again today. Yeah. Pretty good in the bowl. And Rio's too. So starting to power up on the right, the left side of the plate. We'll hold that thought. We're okay. Get much more into that. Uh, we have current <laughs> third round contestant in the 108 tournament, Mr. Mitchell Kaminsky. Oh. Yeah. Hey, the Cinderella run continues. Don't sleep on 11 seat or NASCAR. Mitt. <laughs> and then you may notice that there is a fifth little box in our little Brady Bunch squares that we have going on there. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the creator, the mastermind. You've seen it on your favorite player. You've seen it at ballparks, both on North and South Side of Chicago. We're very, very happy to welcome to the show, Mr. Joe Johnson, the creator and CEO and runner and everything of Obvious Shirts. Joe, welcome to the show. Fellas, thank you for having me. Pleasure. I get a lot of pride and joy following you on social media. Even the Sox fans, you guys do a great job. Uh, so thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to diving into some Cubs baseball. And I'd like to point out that Joe has officially won the title of best dressed guest we've <laughs> ever had on the show. Without a doubt. That is just phenomenal. Just um, for you guys. So with all that being said, obviously we got a great show for you guys tonight. Let's tap this guy. Free build of the favorites. We here for the latest. Yeah. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. It's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantee, so the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Straight rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on a boy, yeah. Every season they get all changed. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on a boy, yeah. Every season they get all changed. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on a boy, yeah. As always, the show is brought to you by Sports Mockery, sportsmockery.com. Make sure you download the app, turn on push notifications with opening day about under two weeks away. You're going to want to know the latest and greatest about the Cubs and the White Sox. Sports Mockery, sportsmockery.com. And we're also brought to you by Uncle Buds on 9600 South Cicero in Oak Lawn. Uh, Taco Tuesday is in full effect. Drink specials every day. Dartboard, golden tea, and there's uh, something going on every night. Karaoke, um, trivia. They got, uh, you name it, it's going up. Bingo, that's the other one I couldn't think of. Uncle Bud's, 9600 South Cicero in Oak Lawn. If you go there, tell them Zoe and the boys sent you, and they'll probably look at you crooked because they won't know what you're talking about. All right. Bills are paid. Introductions done. 
So, Joe, um, what I want to do on the beginning of the show here is just to give our audience a bit of a chance to get to know you and your organization better. Like I said, since your company started in, what, 2016? Yeah, I mean, officially, probably 20, like incorporated 2017. But yeah, 2016 is kind of May 2016 is when I started like going public with selling t-shirts. I, to be honest with you, I've never seen like a concept just take off so fast. As a Chicago baseball fan, all of a sudden players like Cubs players, management, you're seeing all these guys pop up with the shirts. And I mean, as someone that's started this and correct me if I'm wrong out of your house mm-hmm. I mean how like what's that feeling like like how does that get going where how does that even it's crazy yeah thanks um shit uh I just like I wanted the business was never even a thought I'm just a cub fan I go to a lot of games I had a sales job and uh if you're if you're good at your sales job and you meet your quota, you don't have anybody asking questions, where are you at? What are you doing? So my, that was motivation enough for me to hit my quota so that I can go to as many Cubs games as I wanted to and just like be a, be a fanboy. Um, and I made a shirt for myself before concept of company. I just, I wanted something that was like my personality, which is really dry. You guys will get to see that on full display here. Um, but I wanted like a way to make a statement without like having to scream and shout. It's the whole emphasis was, you know, the little 12 or 13 year old that always gets on camera with a sign, uh, put that on a shirt and let the shirt make a statement. And my guy at the time was Jake, um, just ungodly. Like, I don't think we'll see a picture. I mean, honestly, I don't think we'll see a picture come close. So like, well, it'll come close, but, what he did in the second half of 2015 is very underappreciated. So I wanted to make fun of how good he was um, by understatement and saying Jake Harry was good at baseball. I wore it to a game. He pitched a – he went the full nine innings. Uh, it was against the Brewers, gave up three hits, um, struck out 11, and I went to get a beer in the third inning, an old style. Of course, mm-hmm. he got bombarded by people. And, yeah, like the rest is history. I get – you think I'd get better and better at telling the story, but I get worse and worse at telling the story. <laughs> I always leave things out. So the first official obvious shirt was Jake Arietta is good at baseball. Yeah. And I made that shirt in like July of 2015. Um, if you remember July of 2015, that he was more than a man, less mm-hmm. than a God. Uh, so yeah, the timing of it was great. So you start to make sure, obviously you said fans started swarming around you and everything like that. Who was the first player or manager to either contact you or you saw wearing one of your shirts? Uh, Wilson. Um, did I, I'm sorry. Did I even answer your first question? Yeah, you did. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and Joe, personally, welcome to Pinwheels and Ivy where the score doesn't matter and everything's fucking made up. So just shoot from, shoot from the hip. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, Wilson was the first player to reach out. It was after like a, he had a signing or a meet and greet. This was probably off season. It was right after we won the World Series. Um, he was doing like an event like in Rosemont or Peoria or somewhere and some and a person had a, my Wilson Contreras shirt on. 
Shit, it might have been. I don't. Remember, everything's a blur. It was either twenty right beginning of twenty seventeen or right after the season ended in twenty seventeen. But it was Wilson Contreras. Wilson Contreras will throw you out. He uh, sent me a really nice note on Instagram. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was really cool. Um, and then he's like, I wanted partner, and I went to the like a week later. I went to the John Hancock building downtown where his agency's offices are, and. It was awesome because when I walked in, they were doing his Wilson sporting goods fitting. So like his pet, like the rep, he's like, you want to sit on this? I'm like, yeah, I want to sit on this. And (laughs) he had like all this gear out and his glove with the two L's, Wilson with two L's. It was, it was the coolest shit ever. So yeah, Wilson was the first. Um, And then I obviously I made some shirts for him, gave him a bunch, Uh, but I think he was like the first player to start wearing them like in the dugout and uh, Chad Noble, you know, Chad Noble, bullpen catcher, great guy. He had some made um, – he had an inside joke with David Bodie right when we got Bodie, and he got a bunch of Bodie shirts with emojis and stuff. So – and then, yeah, and then it kind of just grew from the clubhouse with, from within. Nice. What what a – you know, what, at what moment – I mean, again, so obviously this is – this. I was telling the guys earlier today, the Nico Fruitenhorn shirt – this is the only shirt I've had for three years that I actually take care of, like religiously. Like when I when I wash it, I hang it, I like take care, of, like special care. Like all my other t-shirts look like shit after like like six months. I like kill them; they're dead. But what I've noticed is, and I wore this to Cabo, and I wore it around Cabo. I saw another obvious shirt while I was in Cabo, and this is two no years way. ago. Yeah, and I, so I'm like, this is insane that this shirt is not just a brand that's like just in Chicago. Like you see it. I live here in Vegas. I've seen them here in Vegas. I see people wearing them all the time. Like. It's it's a brand that like really kind of seems to hit a ton. And for you, at what moment did you like kind of did it kind of click where you're like, holy shit, this is more than just like a, a little bit more of a you know a passion project. And this is this this is legitimately something that that is moving. And it's actually having like a it's more than just a, more than just something to have fun with. But you're having like that success where you're like, holy crap, this is for real. Reverend, great question. Um, that moment, I do remember that moment vividly because it was right after the Kyle Schwarber home run at City Field. And that's why I, when I said, like, officially incorporated in 2017, in the beginning of 2017, I think it was like late May, um, I was riding the Jake shirt all 2016, riding the shit out of that. I was, and then my second shirt ever was I'm allergic to St. Louis because if you follow me on Twitter, you know my despise for the city, the players. It's mainly just the Cardinals. I have a lot of – I have family from there. I have huge Cardinal fans in my – uh, fans in my family it's not against the people of st louis it's against the city itself and the baseball team itself but mm-hmm. let, let me just put that out there yeah. <laughs> um so that was my second shirt so i was just pushing it on facebook and on stuff you know i have a, i had a like bolstering instagram at the time personally i had about 386 followers so like really really uh showing <laughs> on instagram hard hashtag uh, influencer yeah yeah yes <laughs> definition um but uh, yeah, so I wrote that. I wrote those two shirts, and then in one before the season, uh, I'm a bit. I'm from Indiana, so Northwest Indiana, the region, region rat proud, proud region rat. Um, but I was, I grew up, you know, I'm like one of the only few people in my family that didn't go to IU. Like my whole family is IU, extended family and beyond. Um, so I grew up loving IU basketball, baseball, whatever. And so I, I was like, I have two blue shirts. I need to get like some more color in here. Uh, on my on my Facebook <laughs> of 386 followers. So I'm like, I'm going to go red. And what not a better player than Kyle Schwarber because he went to IU. So I made <clears throat> Kyle Schwarber crushes baseballs. This is right before the season started. 
promoted that as hard as I could to 386 people. A few people bought it. One, one person that bought it lives in New York City and wore it to the game when they played the Mets in 2017. And Kyle Schwarber hit an absolute tank uh, to right center. I think it was like 486 or 490. And the cameraman went right to the fan wearing it with, you know, a bunch of empty seats. It was, it was, I could not have asked him for a better, like, camera shot because it's just this dude with a bunch of empty seats around him wearing my shirt. And the guy's like, that's going to be a popular shirt back in Chicago. <laughs> and uh, what's nice about my shirts, and this, I'm going to say that this was part of the plan, but it actually wasn't at the time, but now it works great, is that you can just type in Kyle Schrober crushes baseballs, and guess what? My shirt's right at the top of Google. So I woke up that next day to like 411 orders of Kyle Schrober crushes baseballs, and I didn't even know what to do um, with it. Because when I saw it on TV, I'm like, I'm going to try to uh, continue selling my stock button on Etsy and let it run and see what happens. And I woke up to 420, 415, I don't whatever, orders. And I was like, oh, shit, I have to make so many shirts. And then that took me a long time because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I got a half the people that bought them were pissed at me because they took me 10 days, two weeks to get them their shirt. Uh, so yeah, it was a, after that, I was like, I need to like, think about this, sit down and actually like write this business plan out because what was important to me was that it was dry and that it was unlike anything else like going on at the moment. And I spent so many hours going over researching, trying to find a shirt company with just words on shirts uh, and I picked Helvetica font because one of the few classes in college that I paid attention to was an architecture class because I had an awesome professor. And I remember him saying Helvetica font's the easiest font to read from like all distances. So I'm like, Helvetica font it is. Once you and got, that was a ramble. Once you got uh, pretty big, I would imagine you have to deal with like the MLBPA or using player names. Is there a really good shirt idea that you had that you maybe weren't allowed to make? I guess that you, you could say or like that you didn't get yeah, the John Lester quote, um, God, there's a few John Lester quotes. Um, I think it, maybe it was after the, he said something, now it, now it escapes me. Let me think. That's a great question. Um, there's been a bunch of John Lester quotes that I wanted to get made uh, that they denied. Um, anything that kind of bashes other players or teams, rightfully so, Um like Ben Zobris struck out Yadi Molina. That that's to this day is still one of my favorite trips of all time. And I did like I didn't I either either did a giveaway. I printed like a small batch of them and sold them real briefly. And my guys like you have to take that down. I'm like okay, uh, but that that the John Lester quotes because he's had some really good banging quotes. Um, usually it's like it's a it either says shit or dick in it. Um, but the Ben's over Chuck Ayer Molina is probably my favorite shirt that I could I could never sell. Now, fast the, oh, go ahead. Sorry, the, Mitch brought up a good. See, I'm going to start remembering things as <laughs> as it comes to me. But the Schwarber shirt I got in trouble for. the The very next day, I got an email from MLBPA being like, "You can't do this. You can't sell licensed players. Like, you can sell one player, which was why I guess they left Jake slide." But after that, because that tweet or that photo of that guy was on MLB.com and it was on Reddit, um, and they're like, you can't do this. And I said, hear me out. I'm going to, like, can I send you an email of just, like, I have, like, 15 ideas. Can I just send them to you? And I, they're like, yeah, sure. Um, and I sent them, like, 15 ideas, and they're like, can you chat in, like, 30 minutes? And I was like, yeah, they're like, we love these. We think this is a really cool, like, concept. We'll give you a license. So that's. Damn. That's how I got Beautiful. it was by uh, 
yeah, my fuck up led to like my opportunity. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, well, I was just going to say like fast forwarding a little and uh, shirts that you couldn't make. How upset were you this past off season when uh, Kodai Sanga signed with the Mets and not the Cubs? Yeah, I was you pretty made that, You could have made like a Sanga uh, Sega jersey. Mm-hmm. Your shirt, I mean. Yeah, I was really hoping for him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I. there's a lot of like players that I wish we had gotten. Like I was ready to go crazy for Carlos Correa. Um, yeah. there, like I get, I kind of get my wheel spinning, even if there's an opportunity, because if that happens, I, I want to, timing's everything in my world. Like timing, right. hitting on that emotion, hitting on people's like camaraderie and, everybody's in a great mood that usually generates to more sales. Um, yeah. So I had things ready to go for a bunch of players, but, uh, Senga, I just, you know, child Dave Kaplan, he gave me, he comes in from time to time and we just shoot the shit. And I love talking just Cubs baseball with him and just talking. I, I talk a lot of basketball with him too. Cause I'm a big Fids basketball loves him. fan. Fins is, Fins is probably Fins. his biggest fan. Take that. We're staying See, positive tonight. Say what you want about say what you want about Cap. Like as a human being, and like off off the record, he is one of the coolest human beings I've ever met. But he told me about Sanga probably like a year and a half ago, and so like I was just being a nerd that I am, going on YouTube and watching clips of you know his off speed and some of the pitches that he throws, and it was like you could I don't know you can kind of tell when especially with pitching you can kind of tell like oh shit like that yeah. that dude has it. Um, so I was really, and I just like each growing up. Ichiro is one of my favorite players of, of all time to this day. Ichiro was my guy. So yeah. I just love. I I think Japan and we proved it yesterday. Japan plays a very, very good like a very good style of baseball, and they they're very fundamental based, and they're very very good at their craft, and like yes. they are so much fun to watch. Um, so yeah, I I love obviously Seiya. You know, Shohei Itani might be my favorite athlete of all time right now um but yeah i was really pulling for uh saying it from the cubs and yeah i would would have made a great shirt were you a little uh were you a little down when uh arguably the 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 funniest shirt you ever made uh unfortunately was traded from the cubs when the sheriff left my town favorite, i'm gonna just say it joe yeah. that's my favorite one you've it's, ever made that shirt is sheriff. awesome he's well, incredible he is i cannot take credit for that that was all him um i just talked to him yesterday uh and he was, what did he say? He said, he sent me some. Where did he go? He's Arizona. back with the Diamondbacks. Oh, he's back with the Diamondbacks. All right. Yeah. He said, this is good. This is, this is pretty good. Cause he's, he, like, we love Andrew Trape and he's, he kind of like me and him are from very different backgrounds, very different interests. He taught, he literally taught me how to fish uh, last summer, which I, <laughs> you can judge me. I really didn't. No, that's awesome. Much. Uh, but he said, yeah, so me and the me and the guys were thinking, and we thought it'd be funny if you could make shirts for every day of the week. Like tomorrow is tomorrow is uh, Wednesday, so this is yesterday. Tomorrow is Wednesday, so it'd be funny to wear a shirt that said Wednesday, period, etc. <laughs> Seems like uh, uh, James has been hanging out with uh, Cody Bellinger. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Victoria's Secret already does that with their underwear. They got them drawers that say Monday, <laughs> Tuesday. Do they really? Yeah, See? that's how you know like, if a girl. That was back in the day, and that's okay, how Okay, so okay. You know, that's so. in college. You knew you'd take a girl home, and it was like Thursday night, and she had Monday on. You're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what if, yeah, what if it's like Saturday? Is that is that future? Is that 
passed. You just it's Friday. It says last Monday. You're like, whoa, hold on, whoa. Yeah, there's a lot of lines of questions that come up when when that pops up. With angry people, it gets people talking. <laughs> it's provocative. That's why I prefer hyper colors. Um. With with Andrew Chaffin, I I read that you were like first meeting with him went to like four in the morning. Like, what the mm-hmm. hell was going on? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a fun meeting. It was it was it was a very fun meeting. It had lots of beer and lots of Doritos. Um, yeah, he just texted me after the after one of our night like one of our night games. He's like, and this was like when we were initially talking about doing like the Chaffin family farms, which is hilarious. It's like the MLB logo with a tractor and a cow. Um, and I did like a lot of just kind of design stuff with him. And he's like, are you like, what are you up to? I'm like, what am I up to? Nothing. Like the Cubs game is over. I'm going to go to bed in a few hours and then wake up and make t-shirts in the morning. And he's like, you want to come over and talk business? I'm like, yeah, I do. That'd be awesome. So he's like, he's like, I'm leaving Wrigley in like 15 minutes. Here's my address. And he lived in the apartments right on the Chicago river, just South of Madison. Kind of this weird this weird mid-century modern from like the fifties hasn't been touched since the fifties, but it was a, he had a really cool spot. He's like, my, and he had, a, he had his boat on like on next to the dock. And at the time, I don't think the boat was running. He was working. He was literally working on it for like 45 minutes in the beginning to get his engine back up and running. But yeah, it was like, that was one of the coolest nights of my life. And we just fished off the side of his boat and talked about baseball and about like, you know, upbringing and, we talked more about actually not baseball than baseball. We talked more about like life and just shit. And he was interested in my background and where I came from and how I got to doing this. And then we had like a brainstorming uh, session and yeah, he was just, he just got it. Like same with Ian, Ian Happy. He, I love the players that like understand kind of the purpose behind it. So yeah. I, yeah. Everything you just said is so chafing. It's not even funny. Like it, it, it's almost like stereotypical. Like it's like, oh, mm-hmm. we went fishing off the side of his boat in the Chicago River. Then he right. was working on the engine. It was like, yeah, that's Andrew Chafin. Like, yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yeah. Now I know you've dabbled in some White Sox shirts. I've seen them. Mm-hmm. There's, there's few. There's, I enjoy them. Um, have you ever thought about expanding to other teams outside of Chicago? Or are you going to just stay strictly home? Yeah, so that's like that is far and away the number one question I get to this day, and like the answer is I don't know. I have I I have no idea what I'm doing. Half the time I literally don't know what I'm doing. I've never ran a company before. I've never like running a company is hard. It is like it seems fun maybe, and like in the peripherals it seems kind of cool, but it's very hard because now I have like five employees um, that you know not only depend on a paycheck, but like I have to keep them keep everything moving, keep them busy, myself busy. So like, and then a part of me doesn't, honestly, like I'll be completely transparent. A part of me doesn't really want to do that. Mm-hmm. That's Because fair. like that wouldn't be authentic. That wouldn't be me. Like, and I'm a, I'm Chicago. Like I even, it was tough because I have nothing against the White Sox. I literally have never given a shit about the White Sox, good or bad. I watched them in the World Series and, what was that? 2000. I don't even remember. 2005. Yeah. Don't just don't ask ESPN. I, Cause according to them, it never happened. Yeah. Well, I root like, and I even rooted for them in the 2000 like world series and I'll get shit for that. I don't give a fuck, but like, I've never had a problem with the white Sox because we don't play the white Sox 16 times a year. That can yes. decide our, can decide our fate in the playoffs. So like, 
Yeah, I, I, I wanted to do White Sox. The first baseball game I ever went to was that White Sox game against the Yankees, and that's a whole other story that I'm not going to bore you with. But it's ultimately why I decided to play baseball and pursue baseball as far as I could pursue it. But when I, when I was doing the Cubs, my Cubs thing, which is my passion, I got shit from people saying, you, don't, you call yourself a Chicago company, but you don't make White Sox. So I'm like, that's a, that's a really good point. I'm going to start making some White Sox stuff. I don't know shit about the White Sox, but I have friends that do, and I'll pull them in, and I'll think the way I think and maybe spin it. And then I got shit from the Cub fans that are calling me a sellout because I went to the White Sox. I started making White Sox. So it's like, that's when I just stopped giving a shit about, like, what people think, and I'm just like, just focus on what you want to do, and what I want to do is just be Chicago. Like, I want to be a Chicago company, um, but in terms of going into other sports, like, yeah, that would be a, a goal of mine, but it's not... I don't have like, I don't put that pressure on myself because I'm having a hard enough time just fair going enough. to other markets outside of Chicago. <clears throat> no, I think that's perfectly fair. And then my follow-up question to that though is, you know, it seems like every time I see a new shirt or any of your shirts, really, I'm like, damn, they nailed that one. What's your process like? Like, does it all just go straight from the brain mm-hmm. to the printer or do you guys have like a, do you talk it out or what's, what's that look like? And how often does it happen when you're drinking a beer? Yes, that good call. <laughs> yeah, so I used to drink a lot. I don't anymore um, for lots of reasons. But yeah, I don't. <laughs> it's I don't drink that much beer. Some of the ideas come with a beer, but like alcohol, I guess, has the opposite effect. It maybe makes my brain more cloudy. Um, yeah, so I. I have other creative outlets and I, uh, yeah, I, I get it from watching games. I get it from, a lot of times I get it from announcers. Like I would say 95% of the ideas that I come up with are in the, on the spot in the game or like I see something, mm-hmm. I think of it. Um, and then I have a small circle, a small group of friends that I trust that have really good opinions that kind of have a good needle um, on where it would hit. And I throw it to them. And if I get thumbs up from a majority of the group, I roll it out or there's just some that I'm like, that's a banger. It might flop, but I don't care. I'm going to put that on the website right now. And then I guess my, my last question before we get into, you know, what you think about the upcoming cup season, how often you can give me a percentage or just a number. How often do when people realize you are who you are, do they come up and tell you, I got a great idea for a shirt, bro. (laughs) Yeah. All the time. I'm, I got, I, mean, I can imagine that's, yeah, that's 95% of my DMs and I feel bad because I can't, the internet's a very big place and I'm like yes. one dude and I, and I, I, I keep very close social media to my, to my chest or my vest, whatever the saying is close mm-hmm. to the vest. Like, I don't let people, I don't like other people interacting as me. I, I want it to be authentically me. So like I, but I don't have the time to answer, um, this is going to, I'm going to pull up a, I'm pulling a really big douche move, douche uh, move right here, but just for some like, so Instagram, I have 1196 unread messages. I bet you 90% of those are ideas. Damn. And I just that's don't like, have the time. That's, that's like your uh, DMs, Kevin. Idea. I was going to say it's like my DM, except they're usually like some like strange Russian woman with a lot of numbers after her name. I. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I get a lot of like. <laughs> I mean, I knew doing this, I wanted to make the, this company as base, 
as literally as basic as possible. That's why my name's Basic Shirt Guy. Like I wanted this to be so stupid that some people thought it was funny. So like, I still get the people that are like, your shirts are the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Like, this is so stupid. And it's like, I don't, I really don't give a fuck. It's not for you right. then. Like, if you don't like it, cool. Move on. Like the internet could, Twitter is just a, Twitter, Twitter's chaos, but I, I stopped letting that shit bother me. Like, I don't know, three years ago, just because it was coming, coming in from every direction. It got a little, it got a little rough there on Cubs Twitter, especially for a bit. Uh, Oh, you were probably like it was also probably a byproduct of that storm, a brewing a little bit. Thank God, Cubs Twitter didn't exist from I don't know '97 to '03. <laughs> oh, Could you imagine if Cubs Twitter? Well, I mean, after '03, it might have uh, it might have burned down. So. Yeah, been yeah well, oh, '04 to '07 would have been real bad, and then '08, '08 was great. '07, '08 were great, and then '09. Holy oh. shit! You want to talk about catastrophe? '09 to '14. Yep. The good old uh, the Milton Bradley year. Yeah. Oh, Milton Bradley on Twitter during. Oh yeah, my God. Oh, least favorite cub. So for all of you uh, tuning in now, if you're coming from the infamous 108 post tournament show and joining us now, we are joined by Mr. Joe Johnson, the uh, the creator, CEO, head dude in charge, whatever you want to call him, of Obvious Shirts. Um, we just learned a little bit about the business, your background, but, um, I think it's time to start talking baseball. Can I interrupt? Yes, absolutely. The night, the 108 tourney can, I think that's the coolest shit. And I'm like really jealous. I'm, I am, I'm like legitimate jealous that you guys do that. How did that get started? Um, I can feel this. That's like fascinating. And it's always this time of year, right? Right. Leading up to opening day. Like, okay. So can you give me the cliff notes on that? Cause I like. I hate that we don't have something like that. Oh, 100% so agreed. Yep. The the 108 guys, it's three guys, two brothers and the buddy. Um, they started this blog that kind of took on a life of its own. They're season ticket holders that sit in obviously section 108, which is literally directly behind the right field foul pole. That's like an ongoing joke of theirs is the classic 108 view, and it's the picture of the foul pole. That's um, awesome. And they call themselves the – the drunk uncles of White Sox Twitter. They're, I've met all of those guys, met all of those guys in real life. I've, I've taken in a couple games with them. They're all just A-plus individuals, just good guys, Chicago, Bridgeport guys, Chicagoans through and through, drink a beer, eat a hot dog, watch a baseball game, have a good time. That's all they care about, just have, having a good time. And so their Twitter following has just kind of expanded and expanded and expanded and um, they're like me and these guys here where I basically, cause I'm a sales guy too. I, I'm tech sales and I know exactly what you mm-hmm. mean about once you hit quota, everyone just, you can do whatever the hell you want. I live on Twitter. Uh, you know, it is what it is. And all these white Sox blogs and podcasts started popping up and people have these personalities and what we call white Sox Twitter or WST and, uh, a couple of years ago, I think four years ago now, uh, one of the head guys who goes by the name of Beef Loaf, uh, <laughs> um, he decided, you know, why don't we do a March Madness style bracket tournament with these, all these great personalities we have. And some people call it like a glorified popularity contest. And it is kind of that, but it's expanded into this thing where people make these hilarious fucking videos and do these memes and it's yeah, not it's all excellent. 
it's it's insane and it, it's just grown and grown and grown so it, it used to be like a field of 64 like the ncaa tournament and then it's now it's like how many there's like eight regions eight regions now that's <laughs> sick and so you had to go up against beef loaf like the naismith of your tournament yes i had to go against the founder because i was a i won my region the last two years in a row and then i got bounced in the elite eight both times uh, i'm not salty about that at all and then so this year uh, i think just kind of like a mercy kill because it, it it's all fun but when you're in it and you're making a long run as young Mitch here will tell you, it becomes like almost like a job. Like you're like, oh, <laughs> shit, I gotta think I gotta do this video, I gotta get this endorsement from this guy, I gotta do this and this and this. and so I think after two deep runs into the tournament, beef kind of gave me a mercy kill in the first round, which to be honest with you, just between us girls, wasn't too mad about it. <laughs> um, but then we got young Mitch in the tournament this year. And the big thing, the reason why Beef does this, and I love him for it, is it gives guys like Mitch, who's kind of just starting out in White Sox Twitter and his blog and podcast life, a chance to like, Mitch, how many followers have you gained just in the first three rounds? Well over 100. I think close to 200 now. So that's what it's really all about. It's just growing some of these lesser known stuff and they do a really good job and the winner gets a belt or like a stuffed squirrel or some crazy. There's no money. There's no anything. It's just like bragging rights, but that's pretty much where bragging that came rights. from. That's that's all that matters anyway. Right. And that's pretty much where that comes from. I know there's a Bears blog that does it too now, but it's not like nearly like this is. Every year, here's what happens every year, like fucking clockwork. Someone will buy bots, like <laughs> like a click farm, yeah. to win their thing, and everyone will get pissed about that. Somebody will take it too far and get completely out of pocket, Mm-hmm. And it becomes like a nasty, like in the dirt. Like we already had some, one of the nicest women I've ever met. Her name is Joy. She goes by White Sox Twitter mom. That poor lady got attacked yesterday and she ended up making a video like crying. Like this isn't funny anymore. I'm out. Had it, was, it was actually the rare double score because it was both bots and uh, out of pocket at the same time. So like it was really the the, the perfect storm of it, it happens every year. This year, it seems like a lot less than years past. Because years past, like people were like, "Meet me in Lot B, motherfucker. We're going. Yeah. We're throwing yeah. hands." Like it got like gnarly. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's all about you know helping people gain followers, having a little bit of fun, and all this stuff. And usually, the second or third round is where the nastiness goes, and then that kind of washes itself out. And then the ending's pretty strong, and the championship's always a good time. But yeah, that's how that is. I would love to see a Cubs one. I would love to see Aldo and Fids in it. Fids does videos for the White Sox. Yeah, I mean, yeah Fids yeah. has a leg up. I got yeah, it. I, I, I got it in a Cup fan two years ago. I got in it. It was would be the guy to start it, man. Like it has to come. It's got to come like organically from the same family tree. You know, that's the only way. Like, shit. Like, if I learned anything, like organic and being authentic and shit like that's where that's where you get by and that's where people that's where we don't get Sox fans just calling us fucking posers it's it's true actually I know I played I played a travel ball with Sox Optimus and I had no idea yeah if you know who he is I definitely Um, he does the daily video the guy's fucking hilarious yeah I don't I'm not gonna say his name because I don't know if he likes to be this like whatever great guy though great baseball player we played middle infield together um but I just found out that it was him, and I'm like, holy shit! I'm, and he lives in California, so it, when you yep. say regions, you literally mean regions. Like that's really cool. 
Yeah, he does it. He tries to do it by like Twitter following. So like Mitch, who has in this tournament, one of the smaller, because he started out under 500 followers, isn't going against somebody that has like 15,000 followers. Yeah, that wouldn't be it. That'd be. Yeah, that's and so play. how do you, how do you invite, how do you get here? Is it like invite only? So yeah, yeah. it's, in, it's been invite only. And basically beef, like I said, he's like me, like he, he's on Twitter all the time. He just all year round, man, he just watches and like take notes and he'll be like, Mitch is on pinwheels and Ivy. Now he does NASCAR minute, you know, he's coming up. Like I'll put him in this region. And like, basically you got to just earn your they spot. throughout the year. Yeah, They They'll have their own selection show. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Does yeah, Mitch look like Zach Rinky a little bit? A little bit, yes. Okay. Yes. And they do their selection show, like Aldo said too, which usually turns into an absolute train wreck by the time it's over. Because is that done? Is that done? well? It's probably remotely. But if you guys ever get together and do something for the at the beginning or the end of it, like people no, together, not for that. But they do uh, on January eighth, which is you know one oh eight. They do what they call one oh eight day, and they basically rent out the second floor at Reggie's on the mm-hmm. south side and uh it's fantastic fids actually surprised me this year he flew in from vegas and tell me and i was like i walked in i was like oh fuck fids is here um but it's that's so cool all, so yeah all these personalities come in it's like a name tag event so like you wear a name tag and you put your twitter handle on it because we don't know each other's real names yeah, yeah, most yeah. Of the time. and <laughs> they usually do like a panel with like herb lawrence and uh who's the other dude from lawrence, Six, holmes. Seven, lawrence holmes and mm-hmm. you know some of the other bigger people. Herb Lawrence Holmes. Yeah, Herb Lawrence Holmes. That would actually be that's funny <laughs> as fuck. Um, back, yeah. But yeah, that's uh, pretty much what they do, and their brand is is strong, man. They just keep growing and growing and growing. That's uh, that's so good. Like that at the end of it, it's like that's just good for baseball. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. baseball can use all of that. That baseball needs that kind of shit. Like that. That's so cool. And you know, I guess I'm jealous, but. Yeah, that's like at the heart of it, at the root of everything. Like that is good for baseball. It's good for baseball fans. It's good for the White Sox, and I love that. So no, I you know, totally agree. To White Sox fans. It, it's pretty funny when you're watching a White Sox game and you hear like Jason Benetti be like, "Oh yeah, he looks like he's been in Section 108 all day." Like <laughs> they're all they're all aware of it. They all know about it. Brooks Breuer, the head of marketing and stuff for the White Sox, he definitely knows about it. He has like a love hate thing with those guys, but (laughs) they throw big tailgates throughout the year too, which is pretty cool. That's one thing that I know we have over Wrigley is the tailgating, but they're slowly trying to phase out though. Yeah. yeah, They are. (laughs) They put out some new rules this year that it's not going to go over well, but that's neither here nor there. We're here to talk Cubs tonight because we talked a lot of white Sox last week. So with that being said, I'm going to turn this over to my counterparts, Aldo and Fitz to the, talk this out because me and Mitch will just chime in <laughs> when uh, you need some uh, stupid answers. And although I'm definitely going to try to offer you at least two stupid trades throughout okay, this. Okay, okay. So I'll be ready. Continue. Joe, we are a huge vibes podcast. We like the good vibes to keep rolling. Massive. Uh, hopefully there's better vibes this year for the Cubs overall. But so we're what a week away from opening day. Who's giving off the best vibes to you for the Cubs right now? Who do you feel good about heading into the season? I mean, are we vibes? I don't know if you get a better just vibes. Like who gives you? Like you see them? They're on the field right now. I know it's spring training. A lot of the results don't matter. 
but either from interviews, from like uh, TV interviews, radio interviews, seeing him on the field, things that you've heard, things that you've read about him, mm-hmm. who do you feel good about? Like, yeah, the, no, this guy is going to be good. I feel I feel good about him going into the season. He's going to be a good player for the Cubs this year. For example, like Aloy Jimenez is my guy on the White Sox with yeah, the high yeah, vibes. Like you're, you're, yeah. maybe you're, okay, so I think of vibes differently because like Mike Napoli is like the king of vibes. Like I, I okay. take my vibes very, very, very seriously. And so if we're speaking, okay, but like okay. my, let me preface this. My vibe guy is not my Cubs breakout player this year guy. My That's vibe fair. guy is Co- Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger oh. is a vibe guy. Like he has the whole package when it comes to vibes. Um, I think... I mean, I was really surprised by Mancini and how he's been playing. I think that could be a huge pickup. Um, this guy. Yeah. I, re- I really like his at-bats, and I really like that he, you know, like I'm going to nerd out here, but I love guys that use the opposite half of the field when they hit. Those are my guys, right? So, like, he's done a very good job of that. Like, I think I still like everybody else. I think once once Seiya Suzuki is back, I think he is going to have a coming out party when he is fully healthy and he can do what we know he can do. I think he's going to like take over the Cubs team in terms of stats. Um, I'm really excited to see if Ian can have that match last year with this year because that's very very hard to do in baseball. And and I know that being a player and I, and I played in college, so I know. I, I had success as a freshman and sophomore slump was very real. So like, I want to, I'm not saying that I'm not, I'm using Ian's freshman year as his coming out party year to duplicate that. Now doing it again. Um, it's tough. To, it's tough to do mentally. Baseball is a mental game, but uh, I think, I think like most play. I mean, Dansby, I, I have a good vibe about Dansby. I don't give a shit what his spring training says. Like I don't. And it's probably, I'm just, I'm just saying he's probably going to, he might, he might suck in April, like with every other player, because it's 48 degrees at Wrigley and it's not fun to play when it's that windy and it's that cold. Like, I don't care who you are. It's not fun to play baseball in cold weather. So my rule is I don't judge player performance until the Ivy wall is fully covered in green. When the Ivy wall is covered in green, then we can start analyzing player performance. Again, I don't think I answered your question. I would go. <laughs> no, you did. You did, Cody. You did. You did. You said Cody. We took Cody. Oh, Cody's wait, the Aldo, Aldo, let me ask you why? Why does Cubs Twitter? Why are they like kind of already writing Bellinger off? Like the dude's an MVP caliber talent. We all know that, and it just sucks because I think new surroundings and new atmosphere and new teammates and new chemistry in the clubhouse and new manager and new like you know you're gonna be a guy and. I think I, that can do wonders for a player. So why are we sitting on him? I think one of the biggest thing, the, the, one of the biggest problems in baseball in general, like being a fan, or a problem like with MLB, is that fan bases are so, you know, we're so focused just on our team, right? So you know, Cubs fans, we, we know like the ins and out of the Cubs. We know we know like the the prospects coming up. We even know like the guys down in like Single A and Double A, right? So like when we when we get a free agent or whatever and he comes out and we see the big names like oh yeah Cody Bellinger yeah like he was good like three years ago but then we immediately just go to like the stat page right we go to the fan graphs we go to Baseball Reference we go to the Baseball Savant and we look at the numbers because like you know we're not we're not watching the Dodgers games all the time mm-hmm. now uh, so so you know I, and this is me like trying to put on a good face for those fans because I'm with you I'm with you Joe 
I love the Cody Bellinger Snyder. I wanted him uh, like ever since there was a hint that he was going to get 900 by the Dodgers. I was like, get that mm-hmm. guy because at the bare minimum, at least he's going to be good defensively in center field and he can hit, you know, at least 20 home runs every but but I think it's. Do you think seventeen was too much? Do you think that seventeen number is what has fans quick to like say bust? Yeah, it's just like they're just like, oh well, he's been bad for two years. Like maybe maybe they didn't know about the shoulder issues or like the 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 injury that he had uh, celebrating that home run, and they're like they just only look at the numbers and they're like, all right, well if I'm reviewing these numbers, it's like, oh well, he's just Jason Hayward. What well, how did things change? I think that's where it is. We're so focused on the players that we know. And then when there's a signing or there's a, uh, a trader signing, we just immediately go. And I'm I I'm guilty of it too. We yeah, go I, we we yeah. go to the stat sheet and we're like, well, well this guy isn't good. <laughs> Why should I be excited over this guy? Well, and I think a lot of it too is Cubs fans know he's a rental. So like if he stinks, it's going to be well he's a bust. We're overpaying him. And then if he's really good, it's going to be well he's just going to leave and get a payday. So it's hard to get behind a guy like that. They're afraid to get attached. They're afraid yeah, to like. They're afraid, they're afraid to get too close. And here's the sad part: is like <laughs> spring, spring yeah, training. Yeah. You've got a. Uh, you know, fans don't understand that these guys are working on certain things as they ramp up, and and it, he's trying to fail certain ways so they could fix the mistakes, and they don't really understand that it. That part of this whole process, especially him getting a swing, you know, back to where he really wants it, is him working on new approaches. You know, maybe making a little slight tweak to the stance or. You know his hand, maybe moving his hands back or opening up a little bit or whatever he's doing with his with with his uh with his swing and and he got to go out there and you kind of got to do it in a game. You've got to go out there and fail because that's the only way to learn in baseball is to fail to succeed. And I think that they don't they, there's they want it all right now and they don't realize that look just give the guy so he's a professional baseball player who's been an MVP. Mm. He knows what he he knows what's right. He's a he's an athlete. He knows when it's going to be right and he's trying to get back to that point. But he's you know you got to kind of like push you know you gotta maybe see where you know where you can expand your zone certain things you know you just gotta try it and and spring training is obviously time to do it like i completely agree with that um the one point about like mick brought up a great point about cub fans and like getting attached or whatever like after july 30th 2021 like we that we have trust issues like we are that we are that person (laughs) that just we it'll be scarred for life type of stuff um but and I, I never, I never had to answer my question about off vibes because this player that I want to mention and talk about for just a few minutes is is uh, sneaky vibes, but doesn't flaunt. But when it comes to baseball, I think he's going to be top two player on our team, and that's Reverend. Oh wait, I'm sorry, uh, Nico Horner, of course, obviously. Yeah, right. Freaking Horner. So like, he's... yeah, Nico, Nico, I think he's an all star, second base, second base all star this year. Um, Mm-hmm. I think Nico's has the has the highest ceiling uh, besides Seiya. It's interesting to think about how how much he was written off, especially while Javi was still here. How uh, you can't replace Javi. This guy. There was a lot of lot of Nico slander by a lot of people who just didn't understand that Nico was kind of thrust up a little bit faster than he he really necessarily you know you know didn't have to be up, but he had to kind of out of, out of necessity when guys went down. And Nico's the kind of he's one of those Stanford guys. He's a he's a grown college athlete that knows what he's doing, and his vibe. Is is the kind of vibe that you see in the College World Series a ton, and that's I want to see Nico Horner in playoff baseball because I feel like Nico Horner in playoff baseball is like a like uh, you know a, a hummingbird almost. He's going to be like vibing with so much energy out there, and, and he's the kind of guy that gets guys up and going. And I think that's this is now his time. Like it, it he's yeah. he's now no longer that pup. Now it's time to let's get going. And I love the fact yeah. that 
he's now he's got Swanson over there and he's got some veteran guys with him that can kind of pull the pressure away. But now he knows that it's his time now. It's it's uh, the developmental stage is over and it's time for him to be more than just what if, but be the be be the the, which is going to be even better for him, I think. And that's what makes me so excited because I love that interview he did with uh, Fangraphs when he was talking about approach. He doesn't get too caught up in swing analysis video stuff. He wants to trust his body a little bit because he's an athlete. And he, I love the fact that he's like some guys overanalyze things and they make things too difficult on themselves. So it's going out there and yeah, use some of the tech and stuff. It's great, but trust your body too. You know what your good swing feels like. You know what it feels like to put a good but you know a good swing on a ball and what it feels like to square something up. And so he gets to that. And I, that's that's the thing about Nico. He's kind of old school and new school at the same time. And that really is and what draws, I think, everybody. Vince, I totally understand why – I completely agree with everything you just said. Um, and I totally – it makes sense that you are a Nico guy because you're a Chris Bryant guy. And, and I, I'd love to pick your brain about that off – you know, again, I don't want to bore people. But, like, <laughs> from what I've heard, I, I've heard stories about Nico, even, like, when he was – the young pup and he was the rookie and he was at the bottom of the totem pole. Like that dude was a baseball savant. He was like a base. Like I know stories that when like he's in the cage, you can't like, you don't talk to him. And if you do talk to him, he's not going to hear you because he is so locked in that he is just, everything is, everything is outside noise. And I'm just focusing on what I'm doing right now. And he's like very, very meticulous with baseball. He, I mean, he, he decided not to do the compound podcast because he wanted just that time which would have been great. And those guys are awesome. He's like, eh, I'm going to use that time. Even if it's an hour, two hours a day, I'm just going to be in baseball mode, whatever. And, and like, I kind of respect him for that. I would love to see Nico's personality, but he's like, no, let me, let me put up numbers first before, you know, I can dabble into any of that. And so like, that's, that's admirable. And that's the reason I, mean, why I see a lot. Of, I see a lot of Chris. I see a lot of KB in Nico. And KB told me, I mean, like when he was out here playing in the aviator, when they do the Vegas ballpark thing, you know, KB that that the right before the shutdown, twenty twenty, he was just he, he was talking about how much he loved Nico. He, he told me you're gonna love Nico. You're gonna love him. like and, and when Chris tells me that, he knows because he knows my sensibility and like what yeah. I kind of you know. Obviously, he had to put up with my dumbass for four years, and so he knows exactly like what I look for and certain things. He goes, "You're gonna absolutely love Nico," and I'm like, "I already do." Like I already knew him. You know, I watched him at Stanford. I'm like, but the fact that now you're saying it, and he said you like the way he works, and that mm-hmm. like, Don, I'm on the band like. Diving in, bandwagon. Let's go. Speaking yep. of people we love on this show, I'm curious. What are your thoughts on uh, Nikki Two Strikes over there, Nick Madrigal? I literally like if I had a, if I could like draw you a like a line graph of my emotions with Nick Madrigal, it would look like an EKG because I love <laughs> I loved 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 him at Oregon State in college because I I I don't have the time like now like. Joe, five years ago, was so into college baseball. I mean, I did not miss a college baseball World Series game. I, I used to read up on – I mean, I, I'm now buddies with Brett and Michael from Bleacher Nation, but, like, I, five years ago, I cared more about the farm system it's because we had guys, you know, six years ago. Jeez, it's actually, like, eight years ago now because it's 2013 already. But when Javi and we got Aston Russell and you had, you know, just, like, pretty much all of the young farm come through the system – like I was obsessed with that kind of stuff. So I, I was, I fell in love with Nick Madrigal at first sight. And then he went to the White Sox and I was really bummed because I believe the Cubs could have got him, but the White Sox picked a few in front or something like that. Um, Joe, you got a, a fan in the comments about your shirt. But yeah. He, whatever he wants. He can, I, he can, I'll watch it. He can have mine. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, keeping, I'm, keeping, mine, I'm keeping mine forever. 
That was just a total diss to you guys. I didn't mean it like that. Um, yeah, I'll make, it, I'll make him one. Um, I don't know. Like, I think Nick Madrigal is just a professional on-base guy. And I think, like, yes. I like what the Cubs are doing because the Cubs are going for on-base percentage this year. They're going for defense and they're on-base percentage. They're going to be an on-base percentage team and a very – might be the best defensive team in the – in the NL, it might be better than the Cardinals. Who knows? But like that mindset of on-base percentage and defense—that is like there's this trend where it went to sabermetrics, and then sabermetrics got carried away, and it went to launch angle, and went to home runs, and it went to you know exit velocity. Like baseballs, I could be completely wrong here because I again I am removed from my days of studying what the fuck's going on in baseball. But I feel like baseballs like law diminishing returns on swing for the fences, hit home runs, it's kind of like coming back down to small ball. It's and cycling. So it is cycling. And I think the Cubs are like two steps ahead in that regard. And I think that could be – that could shock a lot of people. And I, all summer, people shit on Jed. Um, and I think that was like kind of unfair. Like I, I think it's unfair before we see like Jed's canvas that he gets to be the paintbrush and he gets to be the Bob Ross and print us, you know, paint us the pretty mountains. Like, let's just see how the fuck he can paint first. And then let's either criticize him or, you know, put him on the Chicago Mount Rushmore. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Does that even make sense? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm following you. I'm super hard on Jed. I have to be honest. I'm super hard on Jed, but that's because my feelings are hurt uh, for everything else (laughs) that happens. It's it's, it stems emotional. I I really will always readily admit, but I I think the two things I think with Jed probably his biggest problem is just sometimes he just. Sometimes he should maybe say less. Um, and I think that helps. That would help his cause. But completely agree. I just would have been way better off by just not speaking than speaking. Yeah. But like, let, let's not judge Jed's uh, roster construction based on what comes out of his mouth. Because, like, right. you build a roster with, you know, money and pen and paper and you talk. You, who knows? Like, they're not, they're not like, you think they would be connected attributes and abilities, but they're not. Um, and the thing is, and you make the, you make a good point too. The Cubs like their offensive strategy right now with the team this year is on base percentage, right? The more guys get on base, the more opportunity you have to drive in runs. The same thing. It's almost like the same approach that Jed's taking with the franchise as well. The more talent you inject into the system, the more opportunities you have. To, at least for some, or you know, more than a few to slip through those cracks and become something bigger than just an average baseball player. And you know, it, it's it's you know, I always joke: the more lawn darts you throw in the air, the better chance you have of hitting somebody in the leg. And so, in this case, you know, he's doing. You know, I think the Cubs have that same approach both with the franchise and uh, obviously with the on-field product too, is it let's just collect right now. And he's collecting. And we all, you know, when he said it wasn't a rebuild, we all knew it was a rebuild, you know, in a sense, and it's fine, you know, and that's the thing is knowing what it is, makes it so much easier to accept. And you talked yeah, about, why didn't he just say that? Why didn't he just, if he just would have came out and said, remember when Theo got here, he said, guys, we're going to suck for three, two or three years. We're going to be dog shit, but nope. just bear with me. And like, I'm going to turn this ship around. And like, Everybody gave him a pass for two to three years. Two years, everybody gave him a yeah. pass. Yep, you just you laid it out instead. Jed, afraid to sell, not sell tickets. I think that Jed, was a- Jed needed a Jed needed an obvious shirt. This is a rebuild. That's what he needed. <laughs> like just that, and oh, fans have been like, "All right, yeah, it's a rebuild." I think the difference is Jed has a a, a whole construction outside of Wrigley Field. He's got to pay for. So, like Fitz just said, <laughs> he probably didn't want to say it's a rebuild because he needed that place to be sold out every day. I swear, though, when the Cubs win another World Series, Jed needs a shirt that says, this is not a rebuild. And that would be great. Because at that point, one, there you go. Yeah. And I, 
once again, I did not even answer Mitch's question uh, <laughs> about Nikki. So, like, I'm really good at not answering questions. Uh, what do make I a good politician. Yeah, no, I would not. I would be, yeah. My dad used to say that. You should be a lawyer. I was like, absolutely not. Um, I think he has a place. I don't know where that place is because he does get on base. And he's, he's impressed me. He's impressed everybody at third base. Um, who is our third base, Aldo? Who's our third baseman? Uh, exactly. I mean, right. It goes oh. like uh, day by day. It's a, Ed, I've been on the Edwin Rios bandwagon ever since they signed him. That dude hits I was, I was absolute bombs. He does. I don't know he much about out his lot. defense. Yeah. yeah, I don't know much about his defense. Um, and if like we're building, if we're if we're if we're like we're supposed to build this like fortress of defend like defenders, that if that's what Jed wants, like yeah, I don't I don't know if Rios is in there. Um, and then there's and I don't. I, which his defense can be really good, uh, but like I don't have I don't have the numbers in front of me to make a lot of educated decisions on third base. So yeah, I I like Nick Madrigal. He's had a very unlucky, yes. bumpy start to his career. So like it's unfair to judge him at this yeah. point. He's gotten a lot of scorn too because of how high he was drafted too, and that makes yeah. it really difficult on the guy. It's like the Mitchell Trubisky syndrome where. Uh, you know, the guy didn't do anything wrong. He was drafted where he was drafted. He didn't, you know, what, what can he do about it? And the expectations. Psh, well, know, he was one of the best players in college at the time. I mean, look, look, yeah. yeah. it was, was a great pick. They was. And I think, I think, so this is why, this is what confused me is I think Nick Madrigal is probably an above average hitter in the major league level, but you put him in front of Tim Anderson or put him behind, put him next to Tim Anderson. And that, that combination of Nick Madrigal and Tim Anderson is it compounds the lethalness of their abilities. Like you have two guys that are two very, very difficult outs that can go, that can take the other guy first to third, pretty much at every at bat. Like mm -hmm. I felt like Nick Madrigal was very dangerous next to Manderson. And until maybe Nico's that guy, but like, if I, this is from a Cubs fan. If I like, if somebody had a gun to my head and said, you get like one at bat, this guy has to get a base hit, walks don't count, strikeouts don't count. He has to get a base hit. Like Tim Anderson's might be the first hitter I think of to get, just to get a base hit. Yep. So yeah. you put Nikki two strikes and I thought that was a great combination. So I don't know where, who, I don't know who his pairing is with the Cubs. I like him as a nine hole guy. I've always, I, these guys know I've liked him as a nine hole second lead off for like ever. Like he really, if he's not in the top of the lineup, he's at that, he's at that nine spot either way. But I, I, he's the guy that turns the lineup over and he's again, he gets on base and you can, you know, move the line, right? Move the line. The more you move the line, the more opportunity you have to score a run. And, and he moves the line. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I don't see him either nine or two, but I don't see him like in the five, six or seven. He's not. He's not doing much for me because there's probably not ducks on the pond uh, for him to move over. The other thing I do have to say about Nick Madrigal is, and like I've been, I think I had similar thoughts with you, Joe, at the beginning. It's just been so bumpy. It's like you you want him to be good. It's like, well, he was drafted fourth. I think this has been said other times, but you know, and yeah, teams can be wrong. I mean, teams are wrong all the time, but like right. this was Especially this was the White baseball. Sox. Yeah, um, this was like the White Sox using the fourth overall pick for a guy who thought like he was going to be really good, obviously, to pick him fourth. And then the Cubs, when they traded for him, they traded probably like one of the top trade assets in that deadline mm -hmm. with Craig Kimberlin. And yeah, they got Cody Hoyer too. But it's like, like, can two organizations be so wrong about a guy in such a short period of time? It's, I mean, they could, 
but they still like bet a lot on this guy. Like the talent is there. Injuries are just such a bitch. Like just every year. Hundred percent. Yep. Hundred like percent. Saquon, like Saquon Barkley, he finally gets to play a full season. Look how incredible he can be. That's yeah. I mean, I'm not comparing Nick Madrigal to Zion Williamson, but like we don't even know what's, when Zion Williamson's healthy, he can be like a game, a league changing type player, but we just can't get it. We can't see enough of him to like make that decision. And I, whoever said it, I, my apologies. On top of that, it's that baseball is a, is a different category than basketball. Like baseball is a mental grind and not, I mean, take a player that's never been injured, but like, he doesn't know he's, he's, a, he's in uh well, Albert Amora is not going to, not a great example because he didn't have injuries and uh, playing time and other issues. But, like, a guy I, – Ian Happ's a great example. Ian Happ did not know if he was going to be in center, going to be in left, going to be at second base. He didn't know if he was in the lineup. He never had that stretch of, like, we're going to give you the month of June to figure it out. Like, he never had that. And then last year, entering last year, he's the guy. Like, you are our starting left fielder. And I talked to Ian about that. I was like – because that, that was, like, my freshman year of college. When I was in college, like, you're a freshman. You don't know if you're going to play. And – the first half of the season is the coach is trying the freshman out at different positions. And you're not knowing if you're in the lineup that next day, like that does have an effect. And then once you earn your spot and you know that you're the guy and you know that you're batting in the middle of the lineup, like what that does to your, to your mentals cannot be stressed enough as a baseball player. So the fact that he had injury on top of that, like spottiness and not knowing and being moved around, like it does make, it does have an effect. Andrew Vaughn. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, I had an Andrew yeah, Vaughn. I was thinking the same thing. Yep. But what, it's... what's his deal? What's Andrew Vaughn's deal? Because, like, again, we've all – I don't know much about – I knew him coming out of Cal because I like college baseball, but what's his deal with the White Sox? Because you that dude could hit the ball to Gary, Indiana, yep. but he's not always the guy. He'll be, uh, he'll be their starting first baseman this year because they moved on from Jose Abreu. So he doesn't mm-hmm. have to play a position he's never played before. You know, they stuck him in the outfield because they needed his bat in the lineup. But now he, he'll he be back at first. He's dealing with a little bit of a back injury right now, but they keep saying it's minor. Um, this is, by all means, should be should be his big yeah. year. And I think a lot of it was like, just like what you're talking about, the mental side of things. Like his first year, he's playing a position he's never played before, not in the lineup every day. And That's he, hits the ball, he hits the ball hard. He just gets unlucky like a lot of times. And you slowly see him improve. So I think he's primed for – a big season yeah and baseball like the one common denominator in all this is that baseball is a fucking weird sport it's just weird there's so many things that are unexplainable there's so many combinations there's so many like outcomes teams that are assembled that you're like on paper those guys aren't good they make it to the world series or on paper like the white Sox last year holy shit on paper like i could not think of two teams better than the White Sox on paper. And we know it was kind of a shit show. Sorry about that guys. But like that just shows how weird baseball is, is that in both directions, you could be stacked on paper underperform. You could be eh, on paper and you could make a run. And especially if you make a run in late August and September, like anything's up for debate. But like what I was getting with that is, I don't even know what I was getting at, getting at with it's that. It's a weird sport. It's, it's a weird sport. Yeah, it is. So like, Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm rambling. I apologize. No, no problem. Uh, baseball is just like, like, I, I don't know the numbers, but when, when I played 
when I played shortstop, I hit my average in those games when I played shortstop was way higher than when I played second. And like, why? I don't know. Maybe I was just in my element or comfortable at shortstop. And like that transferred over to my at-bats. Where when I hit second, I hit way better than when I hit third. Like, why? That makes no sense. Like, my stats were better at two with lots of opportunities to drive guys in at three. So, like, all I'm trying to say is we don't know. And, like, it's just it, – no. it, there's a lot of outside factors. And I, I'm, i like, very optimistic about this Cubs team. I think this Cubs team could be special. Mm-hmm. They're not going to hit a lot of home runs. They're not going to be the Cubs team that we're used to in 2015 and 2016. But I think it's going to be a different version of baseball that we see, and that's kind of exciting. I agree that baseball is a really weird sport, and I think it's only like it makes a lot of sense that out of all the major sports, the MLB draft is the most who the fuck knows draft out of like in the NFL draft coming up, you know who the first two picks are going to be in the NBA draft coming up, you know who the first three picks are going to be. In Major League Baseball, you never know. Like, Mike Trout was the 25th pick in the mm-hmm. first round. Like, it's – there's all kinds of crazy shit that goes on. And, I mean, Nico Horner was drafted, what, 24th the year that Nick Madrigal was drafted fourth. Like, it, yeah. it's just – that happens more in baseball than I think any other pot, any other sport out there, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah that's a great point. And if, if you look at the cases like football and NBA – when those top guys, those those physical specimens, those guys that are like no doubt can't miss superstars, and they and they bust, um, like genuinely, why is that? It's I would argue that it's some, like it's their mentals between the between the years that ultimately yep. might might make or break their career. So then you take the fact that yeah, being being a 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 year old in the MLB draft, not seventeen, but you know, I'm out of high school. Yeah. Like, here's a couple million dollars. Don't let it go to your head, kid. It's like, <laughs> I would let that shit go to my head, and I would probably be a head case. So yes. it takes a special person to, like, it takes, like, a Nico Horner, Chris Bryant-type mindset to, like, make that happen for you. And then you, like, let, let the physicals take over. But baseball is just – it is the most mental – other maybe golf. Golf's pretty – like, oh, yeah. trying to hit a 10-footer on, you know, the Sunday at Augusta, I don't think I – I think I'd piss myself. But, like – Baseball is very, 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 very tough. And that's not even taking the fact that there's a guy 60 feet, six inches away from you that you have no control of what he's going to throw you. You have no clue unless you're the Astros. Like, you don't know what's coming. And that dimension adds so much more of, like, mind fuckery at the point. Yep. And the, and like, the thing about baseball, too, is – oh, good. No, I'm just saying the, the basketball rim doesn't move in basketball. Right. And, and the thing about baseball too is you get overexposed. It's 162 games, so you—it's ha- a game of literal in-game, in-season adjustments that you're constantly making because everybody's watching, everybody's taking notes, everyone's breaking down every little flaw that you have. And in, in, in the other sports, you know, you got 15-minute quarters. You know, you're in and out sometimes. Baseball, you're you're there 600, 650 times. You know, in in a season, I mean, that doesn't even include the postseason sometimes, where someone is getting a chance to see where your flaws are and and you you have to adjust it we saw it with german mercedes and sorry Sox fans uh that a guy that came out hot and then was figured out and didn't make any adjustments thereafter you also see guys like nico horner for example that struggled you know we always joked two step forward one step back two step forward one step back because you've got to take that fail build it out and move up and you know in baseball if you don't make the adjustments 
you're going to have a hard time. This is why Chris, you know, I'm bringing up Chris. This is why Chris worked on pulling the baseball this year. He wants to turn on a lot more baseballs. He worked all offseason on getting out front and turning on a baseball, hitting the baseball hard to, you know, to, to, to straight left instead of the left center field gap. He wanted to start pulling the baseball more like Mookie Betts because Mookie Betts hits a lot of home runs at Dodger Stadium, 300 and maybe 55, 360 foot home runs because they're hard line drives and he wants to start pulling on the baseball. This is a new thing for a guy like Chris. He's 6'5, he's tall. But this is the adjustments that he has to make to continue to evolve the game. He wants to leave the yard more. Now you're starting to see it. Some of the balls he's been hitting the spring training that are leaving the yard, those balls are right down the line. They're but they're still bombs. Like they're still bombs. Mm-hmm. But he's 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 having to change the game a little bit. And every guy that does that in this sport, and, and you know, you say it's a weird game, they're all weirdos um that play the game too. And you've got to be a little bit off to be especially a reliever. I mean, those guys are just just there's something wrong with them. I mean, like most of those guys are, you know, John Rocker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Fighters. they're fighter pilots and fat bodies, basically. And so it's 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 that's the beauty of the game of baseball, though, is it's it's the adjustments that that really separate the wheat from the tares in this game. And if you don't make adjustments, you don't stick around. And when you do make adjustments, you could have a long career. But, you know, that takes is, guys. you can't rely on your athletic. Chris, ability. Yeah. Is Chris one of the guys that he adjusts his position in the box, depending on the picture? Is he one of those guys every time? Not necessarily. No, I think he he sticks to his routine. Actually, he gets pretty he gets pretty hung up right into doing the same thing over and over again. He works on, and that's what he does a lot of the offseason. He spends a lot of time in the cage, specifically working on one spot. Um, and he has this really rad machine that that fires and can pepper and and you can actually program. I mean, what do you program? Like I think he said fifteen or twenty pitches, so you can just turn it on and go hit. And and he works on a specific spot, and he just the whole you know a couple of years ago, I think he was working on hitting that pitch that was on the outer half down. Um, I think then he started working on change. I think last year was changeups. He just he focuses on one specific thing. But when he gets in the box now, he just he, you know, he he doesn't open up or doesn't change based on who's on the bump. He he sticks to his what he does. And if if someone's going to make a mistake, they're going to make a mistake, and he doesn't want to waste them. But if someone does make a good pitch, they can beat them. You know, and that's 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 the battle. Which you know you, you're looking to hit mistakes. If so, I'm if I'm go ahead, Joe. No, I'm just saying if I'm a hitter this year, which I'm clearly not. Um, I'm my back foot is on the chalk of the the way the guys are throwing velocity. I'm I'm yeah. just I'm getting used to putting my back foot as far back to give myself an extra millisecond to make a 99 mile per hour fastball with like 95. Like that's just what I'm doing. But I, I'm curious what players do because like Kyle Hendricks is a great example. Like I, if I'm a hitter, I am I am guessing I'm guessing change up and I'm reacting to 88 because 88 is nothing to these guys. So I am literally sitting changeup every single time, and then I'm reacting and just, boop, flicking wrists on 88. <laughs> I wonder. I just wonder if that knowledge is ever, like, passed down, because it's there's little things you can do that, that make, like, a, you know, a millimeter in a baseball is the difference between a 450-foot bomb and a pop-out center field. Like, that's a millimeter. So you, you position yourself differently in the batter's box, and you make 98 look like 97, uh, that's time. That's an extra, I don't know, half second. But these guys have the best hand eye in the world, and I think it would matter. But again, what do I know? I just make fucking t-shirts. Yeah, and you know what they do? I think a lot of it has to do with just comfort. Where are you most comfortable in the box? Because if you're most comfortable in the box, you're going to be most you know mentally focused, and your hand eye coordination is going to be like at optimal max capacity. And so, you know, it does. If a guy feels like he's got a, you know, it's it's like those guys that uh that open up. Uh, you know, uh, you know, diving into a pitch to me is terrifying, especially with the velocity that we're seeing today. So anybody that's got, you know, opening up and then diving into a pitch, God bless you, man. You're, you're, you're nuts. Uh, Cause I, I wouldn't want my momentum to not be somewhat balanced to get out of the way in case someone throws something and it comes uncorked and 
you know, lack of sticky stuff uh, comes yeah. to roost. We saw we've seen it a lot in the World Baseball Classic. How many guys have been get, getting hit on the digits a ton? It feels like. Well, Altuve uh, took one in the hand, and he's out two months now. Trout so, fouled one off the bottom of his uh, the nub. Thank God, but it, it was a foul ball. But he got hit on the nub. nub. Yeah. Uh, Rizzo was the Rizzo was the hardest guy to watch here because Rizzo literally would put like his cup would hang over the inside corner, and like he do he do his like hip thing, you know. Uh-huh. It's like, dude, you're just gonna get hit right in the balls. Like that, was, I was like anxiety, just waiting for Rizzo to get hit on a strike on the inside corner. Yeah. So, Joe, you said you're you're confident, you're feeling good about this year's Cubs team. Give me a win total. Ooh. Ish. Eighty-six. Oh, okay, oh, okay, okay. That'd be a damn good season for the Chicago Cubs this year. That's in the wild yeah. card race. Yeah. 86. Um, baseball is a weird sport. I think like I think the Cubs are going to be in. The Cubs are going to like. They're we're going to know by the end of June, like if this team means business or not. They're either going to be like, okay, this is exceeding expectations. Like there's shit clicking. And by the way, I think David Ross is the guy. I think he's a like. I can't. I can't talk like. I don't know what's the baseball equivalent to X's and O's. Like he knows his shit, but I think a manager of. A manager in baseball, you're not like you're not like a Calipari or like a Rick Pitino. You're not like dialing up offenses based on if the if the defense is in a one-two-two or a one-three-one zone or if they're playing man-to-man. Like it's not like that. So a baseball manager has to be an ego manager, and like I think David Ross has the command and the respect from the guys that I've talked to. They love playing for him. He brings like he he's the best of like a Joe Madden in terms of kind of could be your friend, but also commands more. Like, I don't commands like the attention of a room, like that Joe Madden maybe struggled with. Like, David Ross will get on you and will hold you accountable. Um, I think he's the best combination of like, I'm trying to think if Joe Madden's on the this side of the spectrum, um, who would be on the, like a Bruce Bochy maybe or a Terry Francona? He's like a good hybrid of that. So, yeah, I think he's, the, I think a lot of it is like baseball is so much chemistry, man. Like, the best teams that I played on were the best friends that I, that I had. It was, and there was no, there's no debate. Like we played the best because we played, we had great team chemistry. So it's hard to say in March. No. And as a, a White Sox fan, I, I agree with you wholly, especially as we watched our you, exactly. team leader go to Houston and the first interview he does talk about how it's not a family and they're just basically it was a bad vibe in the clubhouse all year. And, that's why they underperform like crazy. So the, um, yeah, the Larusa is the exact. That's the worst case scenario of how important a manager managing managing egos. Like I would have loved to see Tony Larusa, and I already have a terrible bias about him because he's St. Louis manager. But yeah. like, I would have loved to see him approach like guys like Tim Anderson, like DeRosa did with the World Baseball Classic. Like, and DeRosa said some some shit about Tim Anderson. Um, about yep. his bat flip. I fully support bat flipping. I think it's great. I like the swag. I like the vibes. But DeRosa's like, man, after getting to meet him, like, I can see why he plays with the – like, he plays the way he does. He plays with the energy. He brings, like – he brings something to the game that I had no clue sitting in the MLB Network studio, and now I get it. And, like, that was that was so cool for him to say yeah. that. I wish LaRusso La would have embraced him similarly, even though he said he did. But I – Actions speak louder than words. Yeah. Did you watch a lot of the WBC? Yeah, I did. I thought it was. I 
I thought it was awesome, but which leads me kind of like, and I know we're kind of probably getting expiration on time, but the the WBC was great, but holy shit, seeing the pitch clock games at the spring training and then watching a WBC game, like I realized how it it kind of showed the drastic when we'd watch a Cubs game at two o'clock or one twenty, and it would be over with by three forty-five. And then you'd watch a world baseball classic at seven and you're, it's up till, you know, you're there till 11, 1130. Yep. So I was going to ask you, what do you guys think of the world? Baseball was, no, classic no, no. You don't get out clock. of that. You don't get out of that that easy. Are you for or against pitch clock? Cause I would say we're about three to one here three on, to one on, the, show. on the pitch clock. I'll let you pick who you think is against the pitch clock, but. All right. So I'm going to answer this PC principle style. Oh no. <laughs> As a fan as a fan, I would I would hate that because there's literally nothing better in life than being at Wrigley in July for four hours. Like there's just nothing better with a That's beer fair. and a hot dog and whatever. Um, as a player, if I was a if I was a pitcher, I would not like it because that would throw off my entire routine. As a batter, I probably wouldn't like it because that would throw off like those brief seconds or those that time depending on where the pitch was and. You know, if you get if you get a chin music, if you get ninety four in the chin, or it's coming at you, like, oh come on, let's get back. Like, that's yeah, that's no. For that some makes batters, sense. like they need they need to like flush that and get see red again and get pissed off and then take their time and like visualize. A lot of hitters, like a lot of hitters, are very visual. Like, you know, and that is that throws that entire rhythm off. So I think if I was a player, um, I wouldn't like it from that regard, but I would like it because. Now I'm getting paid $15 million a year to play 162 games. That takes 500 hours. That gets shrunk or 600 hours. Now I could, I could, it's like a labor. I'm a labor guy. I'm getting paid the same and I'm working, you know, 20% less hours. So maybe players like it from that. Me personally. Um, yeah, I, I, it's a lot better than I thought it would be. Cause I just don't like, I didn't think I would like it, but I think, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it could could be good. I although Mitch and myself are fans, our traditionalist on the show, the good Reverend there, isn't so uh, so hot on it. He doesn't hate it. He just isn't as big on it as some others. But but I do think I li- they they're I making tweets. To- they are. They just announced that, or they're they're yeah. going to announce it. Yeah. If, yeah. if it if they put it at the little, if they just add a little bit more time, like, or if they, and they figure out like this subjective shit about like. What is engaged? Like, I think I think that's like, the big that's one. Weird. Is the that's I think weird. the phrase I saw in a couple of the articles that already came out. I think from one of them was from Pass, and then the other one was uh, in the Athletic. And they were just like it's basically like more common sense stuff. Like you, you talked about like you know you get a p- a pitch up and in, and you get knocked down. Like you can't just be rushed right back in like within seven seconds. Right. So I think they're doing like more common sense stuff. It's like yeah, you know if a pitcher has to cover first base, you know it's gonna take them. A, a few extra extra time to get back to the mound, so don't ding them. Well, like, you know, ball one. Yeah. And so I think the, I I I think when they they make the the official announcements to like the little changes, I think there are going to be a little more like common sense stuff where it's like, okay, like yeah, like we, we don't need to be rushing these guys, uh, like every like nanosecond here. But, uh, there's one funny thing though; they're going to start keeping track of uh, bat boys and bat girls, yep. how fast they get through equipment. They got like I thought that uh, I metrics. thought that was a little ridiculous. They got like they bad boy, boy stat now. now. Yep. Yeah. 
<laughs> yep. The, the shift fans point was, I mean, they already figured out that loophole. Yeah. 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 Like, remember that's baseball like, though. How, how far could I push the rule? That's, that's it. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I'm the shift. I'm way more passionate about, uh, but like, where the pitch clock's going to affect the shift is like when they would when they would shift Rizzo until he got two strikes, they would like shift back, and then like players that can't like certain hitters, they will until you get two strikes. Okay, we'll play them straight up, like things like that. You're not going to have the time to do that, so that that could affect it. But the shift, the the shift, the thing I always have a problem with the, the here's let me collect my thoughts. I have a problem with people who say. Oh, they're shifting the hitter. Learn how to hit it the other way. It's like, how do you hit a cut fastball? Ninety. How do you hit, if you're a lefty? How do you hit a Mariano Rivera cut fastball on the inside part of the plate? It's like physics would deny that. You can't. You can't unless you swing like this. If I'm a lefty and I go like right. that, then then maybe. Or they say bunt it. But like a cut fastball, a ball that's traveling that fast coming in on your hands, and you you expect a hitter to especially a guy like Rizzo who literally sits on top of home plate. Like that's what drove me nuts is I counted for the first half of 2021. No, the, not even the first half, the first like 11 games, I counted Anthony Rizzo foul balls just to the right, like right field, right side foul balls. And he had like 41 foul balls in 11 games. Like he didn't follow. I think he followed maybe three or four to the left side because pitchers, Pitch, they shift them and they pitch them in. That's an advantage. Yeah, you can't t- like. That's that's my only gripe. No, and that's not- the thing about these swings too, though. Uh, and, and again, like you said, it's cyclic. Um, and and it's like you're going to see the this Cubs team guys like Magical can do that. Like, but that's that's again, this is where you find. Uh, you know, at, at one point in the game, I think I'd say around 2007, 2008, maybe it started trending towards the that kind of like three outcome approach. Where nobody's gonna, you're not gonna make little tweaks and adjustments. You're gonna hit the ball until you hit the ball. It's like the Joey Galloway, right? You're gonna bang your head against the wall over and over and over and over again. It doesn't matter. You're not gonna make adjustments. And I think we're seeing now, like, it's not hard to beat. I mean, honestly, the blue spot for pretty much every hitter, you know, swinging that way, you know, worried about the exit velo plus launch angle, you know, et cetera. It's not hard to beat them under the hands, up and in. Like, that's if you can hit that spot, you have a lot of success. And when we, you know, the more velo they add, the more velo they add. You know, and the that's the idea is that now some of these guys are getting wise to it and they're saying, hey, well, you know what? If I can at least fight those off, maybe one more or two more pitches, if I can at least offside it and give myself another chance, maybe this next pitch will be the mistake that I need to not miss. And I can, you know, you never, the more pitches you see, the more chance for mistake. And a dude can't sit up and in the whole time. You've got yeah, to nobody's Greg Maddox. Yeah. yeah, it's just, it's not the same. So you just, you kind of got to hang around that. And I think that's going to be the new trend that we're going to see with some of these approaches is hang around as long as you can and then don't waste the mistake when they finally make it. Because, you know, even the guys with the high velo, especially the high velo, I guess, are going to miss. They're going to miss. And sometimes they might miss, and might, you know, one in the ear hole. Sometimes they might miss. And it's, you know, you know, Cody Bellinger, you know, that spot right there that it's a little bit down, a little bit in. Oh, it's a beautiful thing to see him hit a hard, hit a fastball that's just kind of missed down and in. Cause that's where they want to go with him too, is go, they want to go under his hands and, you know, well, I guess it's just around that's, it's yeah. difficult to ask a guy to punch the ball the other way though, like you're saying, but there, there are ways well, to adjust. Well, and that's kind of why I was pro shit. Like, I'm, it's not the hell I'm going to die on. Like they got rid of it. It's like, whatever, but like, it's part of the great chess match that's involved in baseball. Like, okay, are we going to shit this guy or not? Can he try and beat us the opposite way? 
um you know or like like you said like where are we going to pitch him if we miss mm-hmm. like inside now it's like right over the middle like i kind of like the game within the game that was involved in the shift and it's, it's been going on forever some guys are yeah. better, like ted williams he okay. beat the ship people were shifting him selfishly oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, that's why I'm selling T-shirts and not playing baseball because I'm <laughs> right. not, not good. Granted, yeah. Williams could also see the seams on the baseball as it was coming to the plate. So yeah. I mean, that's well, one good cool. thing. One good thing that sorry, you know, South no, South you're South good. Take the floor off. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you're good, the, man. The risk reward of that, like, so you're, yeah, you're. This is why I love debate because, like, I'm wrong more than I'm right, and that was eye-opening. Like the risk reward of going in and in. Like, it's also a lot easier to hit a home run to pull it. To pull a home run, if you miss, that's your chances of pulling a ball 400 feet are a lot greater. Um, that's like, it's a higher risk reward, which then you could probably have some sabermetric guy to say, like, that does level the playing field. So that's a really good point because if he does miss a spot, um, then that ball is probably going 430 because who doesn't love to hit a pull fastball? Like, that's, that's the dream. Um, mm-hmm. But, I, I mean – yeah, I, I will say that this can go on because now pitchers only go five innings, so they can unload for the five innings. Like, gone are the days going seven or eight as a starting pitcher. So it's everything counterbalances itself, just evolving. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Yep. I also think it's there was something very satisfying about, like, I remember there was a game I went to, it was the Cubs were playing the Phillies, and Anthony Rizzo went four for four, and three of those hits, he just, like, dinked the opposite way. Like, one was like a bun. He just, like, slapped it down, there, and there's no one there, and it was three infield singles. I, I just, you know. He likes, he likes that stuff. Rizzo likes that stuff. He has fun with that. He, Whether it's him you know, doing that or defensively in the shift, grabbing a little baby glove. He likes to just he likes to do the quirky stuff. That's I think, like, but I think that was, I mean, but that's that was like the whole debate because I, I remember you know listening to Ian Happ on uh, on his uh, podcast, the Compound. It's like, yeah, every team is going to take Anthony Rizzo having three singles instead of him hitting like two home runs. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. they they, they want to see they want to see the left handed slugger bunt. Like, yeah, all right, take first base, sure. Yeah, but yeah, I just, saying, the combination of Corbin Burns and Anthony Rizzo, it's like I don't know how yeah. you go. I don't know how you take Corbin Burns the opposite direction. I just don't. Yeah, yeah no. it's true. But selfishly, I'm very happy to see the shift gone because my guy Yasmani Grandal yeah. is going to eat this year because <laughs> he just hit BBs to the second baseman who was playing in shallow right field all year last year. Yeah, watch. He was watching. Like, yeah, maybe it wasn't so bad that they yeah. did the shift. Yeah. <laughs> I saw. Yeah, I saw something where Yaz like was like. I think he was like third in baseball. They like calculated every hitter that hit into the shift. Like Schwarber yep. was up there, but Yaz was like my, maybe one or two. I was shocked. Yep. He just literally, it looked like he was playing catch with the second baseman in shell right field. For Belly had the same game. issues too with the shift. Let's not forget. Belly's coming in at a yeah, non-shift. Yeah. He, he was, he was uh, uh, adversely affected <laughs> quite a bit too. And Yaz is the slowest human being that ever played major league baseball. So <laughs> zero on he, can, he can help that. Yachty's slower. He, he, uh, that would be, Wait, that would be a race. good race. I would that like would to be, <laughs> you could probably time that one with the sundial, but uh, yeah, so that, that's right there, so God dang it. You stole my joke, but that'd be a brutal one. And then, but on the other side of it, with the ship being gone, you touched on it earlier, Joe, like the Cubs have built arguably the best defensive middle infield in baseball. It's almost like the Cubs were prepared for this because Nico and uh, Dansby, they're going to be able to cover a lot of ground out there. So, there's like, I cannot wait to see them in it. Like, they are going to be so good. Like, it's going to be a smooth yes, double play. It's going to be so much fun to watch. They are like two of the best 
I was a big ass Russell guy in turn until he turned out to be a bad human being. Um, and I hope he's, you know, improved and all that stuff. But like, yep. Addison Russell was like, as a former shortstop myself, that dude, that dude, could, and we were blessed because we went from Addison to Hobby, but we've never had that. Like, even, ha- even Addison and Hobby were great, but like, they would miss the routine play or the ball hit right at them. And it was just like so, like, you're not, that, that's gone with Nico and, Nico and uh, Gansby. And I'm like really, really excited to see the Cubs play defense this year. As dorky as that sounds, no, not I think at all. that's going to be, that's going to be the difference makers. It's baseball is now run prevention. It's like there's this weird shift going on where run prevention is now the same weight on the scale as hitting the ball 450 feet every single time. Because good defense will travel anywhere. Like certain ballparks don't hit like fit well with certain hitters. But like if you have a good defensive team, like that's going to play no matter where you're at. I think it's very underrated in baseball. It keeps yeah, it, it, you know, it conserves pitches for your starting pitcher. It, you know, it, you got there's so many different. If you're not extending innings and you got guys that are making plays, you, you can get you can get them off the field quicker, and that's huge. And huge. That's, this, this this whole Cubs team plays my kind. This is this is built to play my kind of baseball. That's what makes me probably more exciting than you know. I'm not even looking at the names. I'm looking at more like what they kind of tried to compile. You know, it's it. This is a team that this is a high school baseball coach's like dream team. It's the kind of guy the team that would go out and beat the the home run hitting, you know, private school, it would go out there and go out and single someone to death a little bit and, and have long innings and put up crooked numbers and play good defense and, you know, hit yeah. your spots, you know, on the bump. And, you know, you could have it a makes, staff and still win. Made 100, I was going to piggyback on that. I'm so bad at interrupting. The Cubs have, what would you say? Fids and Eldo, would you say the Cubs have a B, a B rotation, B minus? Yeah, I think that's a, right. a, yeah, around a the really B good area. defense. A really good defense makes a B minus rotation play like a B plus rotation, and that's huge in 162 games. It just is. So it's mm-hmm. like my one, my one like gripe that I have is not having that like that Jake Arrieta, that John Lester. Like when you know that they're on the bump, you're very confident that the Cubs are going to get a W. We don't have that, but like that's why I'm excited, and I think the one thing that fans will really appreciate after it might take 40 to 60 games. But the defense is going to make it's going to save our rotation and, and make them shine, and that's absolutely that so. And they, and they did announce it today. Stroman is the uh, starting pitcher mm-hmm. for opening day. So I mean, that, what you said too is I think the Cubs have you know I think Stroman projects more like a two, you know, maybe a high end three, and they've got a bunch of threes. And you know, Wes Nasty might maybe maybe yeah. can uh, pop, he's got he's got to be in the rotation to open up. Like he's got to be in the number five. He has yep. to be. I agree. Yeah, I think he's earned it, and that 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 makes it great for the you know the competition stuff. He might, you, know? you know what? He might one year from now he might be like he might be a number two by the end of the year. He mm-hmm. might be, like he might be our best pitcher in the rotation. Stuff wise, so, I think he is. Joe, I'm gonna yeah. give you I'm gonna give you the option here because we're coming up to the hour and a half mark. We do a segment on the show at the end of every show that we call the NASCAR Minute with NASCAR Mitch. Doesn't talk anything about baseball. Mitch just talks about NASCAR for like five minutes and me and Fids and Aldo put stupid pictures up on the screen to try to distract him. Now it's okay. up to you. Do you want to stick around for that? Or we can you do, do a... not have to stick around. <laughs> this, is a taste. this is a taste yeah. of what might pop up. Yeah. Uh, it's just basically, yeah, we all just sit here on NASCAR, but we have, we have, well, neither do I. That's where the segment was from because his nickname is NASCAR Mitch. And, he does this segment, and I've actually learned some stuff 
about NASCAR because we've been doing it now for you've been here for almost a year, right, Mitch? You've been doing yeah. the show, yeah. yeah. So, but the the kicker during this bit is Mitch stays dead serious the whole time talking about NASCAR, and we try to find the dumbest fucking pictures we can, and we flash them on the screen to try to distract him. So, would you like to stick? You're more than welcome to stick around for it. I would be honored. Okay, so <laughs> pressure's on now. It also has he also has his own intro video. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the NASCAR minute with NASCAR Mitch. All right. This week they were in Atlanta, but there's some drama leading up to the race beforehand. If you remember from last week, Denny Hamlin, he wrecked Ross Chastain, his rival, and he went on his podcast, The Dangers of Podcasting, and he admitted it. He's like, yeah, I just let go of the wheel. I was like, I'm not finishing well. He's not going to finish well either. So I wrecked him on purpose. And NASCAR listened to that, and they're like, hmm, you wrecked him on purpose? We're going to find you. And then Denny was like, whoa, 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 you can't find me. <laughs> NASCAR's like, yeah, we can. You just admitted to it. So there was a big pissing match before that. On to the race itself. Penske, they were fast this week. All three cars qualifying in the top three. Joey Logano cruises. He wins stage one. <laughs> stage two, another Penske guy also wins it. So not a whole lot's going on here. Right off the jump, Bubba Walls, who's a good speedway racer, it was like kind of like Mario Kart. He hit like a banana peel and just spun. No one was even around him. He crashes, knocked out of the race. Stage two, Kevin Harvick, they're going through their green flag stages. He's in his bush light car. He's up front. He's got Ross Chastain right on his ass. Kevin Harvick spins. Everyone thinks it's Ross's fault because he has a history of wrecking people. Turns out it wasn't even Ross's fault. He didn't even touch him. It was just the air. Spun Kevin Harvick, creates a huge wreck. He's out. So later in the third stage of the race, coming down to the nitty-gritty, Eric Amarola in his baking car. He's out front. His team was like, hey, we're not taking any tires, just gas. You're getting out in front. It's like, okay, I got it. I can handle it. He couldn't handle it. He blows a tire. He's out of the race. The whole thing's shaking up. Now, Brad Keselowski, he's going to be a future Hall of Famer. He used to drive for Team Penske. He's up front. He's looking for his first win in over two years. He has a long winless streak. He's trying to hang on, and he's doing a damn good job of doing it. They're coming down the stretch. He's in the lead. Joey Logano's coming up. He's throwing a block on the high lane. Then a guy's coming from low. He's throwing a block in the low game, just like back and forth, blocking everyone, holding everyone off. He has no teammates there to help him. It's just a Toyota and three guys from Penske. And the Penske guys are like, screw you, Brad. We're not helping you. They're trying to make a run. Brad's holding them off, doing a great job. Final lap, Joey Logano. He fakes low. He goes high. Brad, he tries to throw a block. It was too weak of a block. Couldn't run him into the fence. Joey takes the lead on the last lap. He wins the race. Joey Logano wins Atlanta. Hell of a race. Hell of a weekend. Congrats to Joey Logano. This Padres pitch is shitting bricks right now. Why? Because Danny fucking Burgess is up and back. Guy just started Shake Shack straight to the dugout. Oh. <laughs> uh... Oh, got to play the outro music. That was the NASCAR Minute with NASCAR Mitch. So, yeah, that was the uh, NASCAR Minute with NASCAR oh, yeah, Mitch. That. Yeah. That's why Mitch is still alive in the 108 tournament. Yeah, so Mitch that is our... way more entertaining than me. That and his cattle... This cattle report also helps. She's got a lot of big followers down there. And yeah, Mitch. Yo, is, Mitch, uh, why, don't you, why don't you tell Joe where you're stuck at? Where you're I'm currently in Missouri. So I like you despise Missouri and St. Louis General because it's in Missouri. But <laughs> does sleep well though because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the Joe, are true. 
thank you very very much for being so generous with your time obvious shirts ladies and gentlemen i'm not going to tell you anything new you guys know the shirts you love the shirts and joe i didn't even get to bring up i absolutely love what you guys did with liam Hendricks. i have the shirt somewhere i think it's in the laundry i couldn't find it for the show but it's an awesome shirt awesome cause glad to hear that a little bit of news that came out to, uh, this week. Lance Lynn did AJ Przinsky's podcast, uh, and he said that they talked to Liam all the time. If it was up to Liam, he'd be back in May, but they're thinking realistically June, July. Uh, great to see that. But again, as a White Sox fan and just as a fucking human with a conscience, it was great to see you put out those shirts and all the proceeds go to. And the, it's still be strong ones too, crushing yeah. it over there. Yeah. Yeah. But, Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah go on. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. No, no, you're good. I was just basically, uh, we can't thank you enough. We really appreciate you sticking with us, especially for the, the full 90 minutes here. And uh, as I say to most of our guests, not all of them, because we've had a couple shitty ones, but most of our guests, open invite. Anytime you want to come and shoot the shit about baseball, you know where to find all of us. Um, and again, congratulations on the award for best dressed pinwheels and ivy guest of all time. Ever. Yes. Thank you. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks for having me there for you guys only. I'll, I'll keep it up for like, we'll do like a month or so, but, uh, pinwheels, Ivy 20 pinwheels, Ivy 20, 20% off baseball related shirts for you and your fans and followers and your kingdom. Um, for 30 days, we'll do that. Spread the, spread the word. Um, Really awesome. appreciate you having me on. That's really so cool, sorry man. for rambling. I wanted no. I wanted Aldo to talk more because he, I I'm convinced he has this dungeon with monitors that are recording every uh, moment right in baseball, and it goes so quick to the internet. And I <laughs> and I I used to hate people that steal content, but I I'm a hypocrite because I've I've used it myself, and I have Aldo to thank. <laughs> yes and Aldo and all three of his backup burners for when he the mlb takes down his twitter accounts are oh uh, i've been i've been in some wars with mlb joe i've been yes and twitter yeah <laughs> yeah uh i've had to call is, favors to get my account back <laughs> yeah you you sacrifice for our sins that's for sure <laughs> these, these future playbacks are gonna go swimmingly i can almost feel I it do, oh, yeah, i do i do have to say Twitter has been a lot nicer in recent years. Recent yep. years, there's no way I'd be uh, bigging out all these uh, well, spring training clips. It's probably because uh, they fired the team that was in charge. I was going to say, that's just, that's Elon. They got a brand, yeah. Right? I mean, they just they have no one working at Twitter. Actually, Fids, you just brought up a good point. Before we go, Joe, I don't know if you're familiar with this app called Playback. Basically, you watch Cubs or Sox games, and we do what we're doing now, but the game's playing on in the background. You do it live. Um, if you ever want, you're more than welcome to join us on a playback broadcast where we basically just do what we're doing right now, but there's a game going on behind us. They got all the MLB rights and all that shit and all it's all cleared. Uh, and then people can come in the comments while you're doing it and all it's, it's actually a pretty good time. So if you ever, yeah. the, if you ever the urge, just let us know. And we'll, we'll remind you throughout the season cause we'd love to have you, but we're definitely going to be doing uh, as many games as we can this year. I appreciate that. I mean, I, I was bored listening to myself talk, so I don't. I don't know if people like hearing me speak. I might just keep it to the, the <laughs> phrases on, on t-shirts. But shit, I mean, if yeah, I would love to, but I uh, I don't know how. This is actually the best way to put it. Mystery Science yeah, Theater 3000 meets baseball. That's exactly <laughs> yeah, what playback exactly. is. Yeah. Jack, that's All beautiful, right. man. I'm gonna. I'm definitely stealing it. No man, Jack. <laughs> <laughs>
Is he a White Sox fan? Mailman Jack sounds like a White Sox fan. Yeah, he's a White Sox fan. I saw that. Real quick funny story, Joe. I didn't know this, but Jack was my parents' mailman for years, and I met him at a White Sox, the 108 event. And he asked me, Uh he goes, how are are things going at? And he said the house, the address that I grew up in. And I was like, the fuck? He's like, dude, I've been your mailman for 20 years. I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) He also has the most incredible calves. He's got got, uh, godlike calves. They're... See, I love that. I think it would be a funny segment of like Cubs fans and Sox fans. Like we had like a mini episode where we just like talked really nice about one another and like almost like the the things that we we wish that we had, but they have it. Like that would be a that would be comedy to be bring up the best and just put each other up. We can make that happen and we'd love to have you on it because it it's definitely we're always looking for content ideas and I like that. That'd be actually pretty funny. <laughs> but Joe, thank you very, very much again. Everybody yeah. go follow obvious shirts at obvious underscore shirts on Twitter. Uh make sure you go and Joe is very generous to give us a, a promo code. Um and yeah, thank you very much, Joe. Thank you guys. So for Mitch. And- the good Reverend Fids. That's all though. I am Vote for Mitch tomorrow. So Vote for Mitch tomorrow. And uh, we will see you guys next week. I'm voting for Mitch. This Padres pitch is shitting bricks right now. Why? Because Danny fucking Burgess is up and back. Guy just started Shake Shack straight to the dugout. Free build of the favorites. We here for the latest. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. <laughs> it's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantee. So the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Trade rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for. Yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season, make it all change. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you're waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season, make it all change. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you're waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season, make it all change. Every season, make it all change. Take me out to the ball game.